The Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency will keep comments open through April 18th on its new Zero Trust Mobility paper. CISA says that paper will guide agencies as they develop and implement Zero Trust Mobility strategies. Sean Frazier is Federal Chief Security Officer at Okta. Sean, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program today. You wrote me recently about the concept of less talk, more action for cybersecurity modernization. This effort that CIS is undertaking seems to be going in that direction. What are you seeing across the landscape from policy organizations like CISA and how agencies are responding execution-wise? Welcome, Sean. Yeah, thank you, Francis. It's good to be here. Good to see you. Um, yeah, I think that this is important guidance because if you think about the core pillars and the constructs of zero trust, one of the more important ones is the endpoint. And almost everything these days with regard to endpoint is mobility. Almost everything is mobile if you think about it from that perspective. So what this is doing is this is continuing to flesh out the guidance around zero trust and how agencies can take advantage of it across the core pillars. Obviously, the identity pillar is one that's near and dear to my heart and Okta's heart, usually where zero trust journeys start. But the endpoint pillar is equally important because that's basically you're defining the security construct for how a user will use a device to get access to that data. So the mobility piece has been particularly important over the last two years as people, individuals, and agencies as enterprises have been working almost completely remotely in some cases. What's the implication of that moving forward as agencies start to think about securing people who will be working potentially remotely at least part of the time forever? Yeah, and I think that's one of the core reasons why it's really taken off in the last couple of years. If you think about cloud adoption starting 20 years ago and kind of a slow drumbeat of moving to cloud, the mobile adoption, again, about 10 years ago, starting the slow drumbeat of moving to mobility from an endpoint perspective, that all got accelerated in the last two years because of work from home and telework, and we call it dynamic workforce um, that folks are kind of living through. So that's why it's super important now because now as we're coming out of it, a lot of those folks aren't going to go back into the office anymore because they don't need to. So as long as you've built the same constructs around security for access for user on a device accessing data serviced by an application, it doesn't matter where that user is, doesn't matter where that device is, doesn't matter where the data in the application is. Is there anything happening on the security landscape that a federal CIO, CISO, or other leader should be thinking about regarding specifically their remote workforce that maybe is not on the radar screen today, Sean? I think the biggest, there's two biggest things that people tend to miss with some of these things because it's, it's really kind of lost in the minutia of the, the guidance. One is user experience, making sure you're building the best user experience possible um, because your users are a little more savvy than they were 20 years ago or even 10 or even five years ago. So focus on user experience. I call it kind of the, the unwritten sixth, sixth pillar of zero trust. We've got our five pillars, user experience being the one that's kind of unwritten sixth pillar. So make sure you're focusing on that because that at the end of the day, if you can provide the best balance of security and usability, that's a win. What does that balance look like in 2022 and what might that balance look like in 25 and beyond? So I think our balance is really leveraging the platform authenticators from my perspective, leveraging things like biometric, making things frictionless. Again, taking our, our kind of marching orders from commercial technologies like Apple iPhone and, and, and Touch ID and Face ID and these kinds of things and building those into the constructs that you build from security perspective. Luckily, those things are kind of called out, not as broadly and as, as loudly as I would like, but when they, we talk about phishing resistant factors and we're talking about WebAuthn and FIDO2, which are specific technologies and future technologies around identity and access management, they leverage those really commercially viable technologies that users are used to using when they go to Starbucks or, or pay things through their bank. 
that's maybe an advantage, isn't it, for agencies? Because as you think about the user experience, you know, five years ago, I don't know that people had a lot of experience in public sector commercial environments like you just described, thinking about security things. And maybe the benefit is maybe they're not thinking about them as security elements today, they're just happening as security elements, as you just described, and that becomes a benefit that agencies should incorporate or implement, I imagine, as they're thinking about that CX element, that user experience element of zero trust. Am I on the right track? Absolutely, because one of the things that we've done over many, many years is we tend to kind of build these things from scratch out of whole cloth and do all these custom things. We can now ride on the coattails of very large scalable systems with very strong security models that we can just leverage in the enterprise. So we, we actually get the benefit of a lot of these things. And oh, by the way, we get good user experiences in the bargain. So users actually can get their job done quicker, regardless of where they are. What are you seeing organizations responding to trend-wise? I mean, we could talk about the cyber executive order from the White House probably until our, our heads explode. Um, we could talk about um, different documents that NIST has published, but what's really happening in your view in the trenches? What are you really seeing organizations doing every day with their hands and their brains to make a difference as to how their networks are secure? I think the two biggest thing is, again, accelerating of, of, of easy access of technology, so cloud adoption. You know, SaaS is a big one, right? Software as a service leveraging those te technologies to deliver, you know, very highly scalable, high, highly performant, great user experiences. We're seeing government agencies do, do that like never before, uh, which is fantastic. I think the other piece that users are focused on is, is again, kind of what I call the meat and potatoes of security, right? So use multi-factor authentication, use secure single sign-on. These kinds of technologies have been around for a little while, but we've been a little slow in the public sector to adopt those things. And now, again, because of the things we've lived through for the last 10 years, we've kind of been forced to do that. But I think people are taking it to the next level and really using this as an opportunity to modernize and to simplify. You pointed me to two different things that on my on my first process, I thought maybe they're kind of at odds with each other. And I wonder if you can help me sort them out a little bit, Sean. You, you wrote about the, the NIST standards and OMB memos and the executive order and all of that as contributing to helping agencies kind of get their cyber houses in order. That's one piece. The other piece that you made a note about is you wrote, there's no finish line or destination for cybersecurity implementation. Having one's house in order seems like a destination to me. So to help me understand the intersection of those two concepts or maybe how one builds on the other or whatever. Yeah, the house analogy is a good one. I also like to use the analogy of, of um, you know, kind of working out, right, and pump in your in your health. You know, you don't you don't get to the point where thirty days from now you've worked out and you're done, and then at that point it's like from that point forward I don't have to work out anymore. So the reason I say that this is never done is because this is muscle memory you have to build. This is something that you build into the DNA of your architecture. You're always going to be fielding new applications. You're going to always have new things you're going to be focused on from a business perspective. You're going to have new users coming in, users leaving the organization. It's a constant environment of change. So you need security that can adapt to that. So it's not like you can just say, put a flag in the ground and say, in this day, we're going to be done with this. You're never done with it. Okay. And in the house analogy, then once I get the place straightened up, I'm still going to buy new stuff and I'm going to get rid of things I don't want anymore. And so there's that constant maintenance that's going on. Is yeah, exactly. I still have to mow the grass. I still have to, you know, change my light bulbs. I still have to do all these different things in the house, even though my house is in order. It's a much better shape than when I started, but I still have some work to do and it's ongoing work. Okay. What's the most important maintenance work then that you see organizations have to do given that context in the next, say, six months to a year, not just to comply with some document, 
but to really maintain security? The biggest things is to start with the kind of the the brass tacks of the identity and access management piece. So the secure single sign-on, the the governance around that. One of the biggest challenges agencies have are around what we call joiners, movers, and leavers. Right when when people come into the organization, they move around inside the organization, they leave the organization. We're not we don't do a really good job of cleaning that stuff up. So you got to have some governance, some basic things that you can do. Um, as people come to the organization and then layer that security on when you're working with it. So, so strong multi-factor authentication is important. Leveraging those biometrics, leveraging those platform authenticators. Those are things you can do pretty low hanging fruit stuff that will pay dividends. How does one go about that if they don't already have that in process? I mean, I imagine there are some organizations that are really, really successful and there are some organizations that are really at the beginning of that journey. Yeah. And part of it is an assessment. Part of it is kind of figuring out where you are. And one of the other challenges too, is that a lot of the IT technology within organizations have grown organically. And that's kind of caused a little bit of friction where some organizations have 40 different identity systems. So the first thing they have to do is consolidate, you know, uh, you know, simplify their identity systems into at least a handful of systems that they can manage appropriately, and then layer on those protections on top of it. So part of this is and, and any journey is to plan out your map before you start the journey, right? So, so look at where you are, look at the, the, where you need to start. Identity is a natural place to start because that's kind of a known construct of users and inventories and figure out how do I consolidate my identities down to a, you know, a single sign-on solution that is totally secure that I can leverage across the organization, layer in multi-factor authentication, layer in those strong phishing resistant factors, and then move from there either specifically regarding those concepts that you just laid out or more broadly all of the things that we talked about today sean how does one measure success yeah so i think there are two measures of success i mean obviously the the i haven't been hacked therefore you know i'm not on the front page of the wall street journal therefore i've been successful that's certainly one metric another metric is you know how am i able to to continue to do my job and focus on my business because one of the other things here is that you know, simplifying your security stack means you're not just dumping money on it and saying, okay, I'm going to spend all this money and resources to do this. It's actually freeing up resources to focus on your core business. So is your core business being more successful? Can you leverage security to make your core business better and successful? Am I deploying applications in a timely fashion? Am I rotating applications in a timely fashion? You know, do I have the the ability to very quickly look across my organization and see where threats are coming in, where I'm blocking threats, when users are leaving the organization, I'm, I'm moving them out in a couple minutes, not in a couple weeks. If you can track those kinds of metrics, then you can kind of ba- gauge that and you use that to gauge success. Sean Frazier of Okta, it's great to have you on the program. Nice to see you again. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Francis. Always good to see you too.